2: Welcome to Philosophy 507, Wittgensteiner and Schopenhaufen and their influences. As I look around the class, I see what I usually see, basketball players. It's the same every year you basketball players sign up for this course because you think it's this easy thing, what you call a layout.
0: Uh, I think you mean layup, Professor Wolf?
2: Indeed, but here's what I'm telling you now. If you think my philosophy course is part of this university's vast and cynical basketball factory, you are in for an eye opener. If you cannot grasp that philosophy is, as Wigglestein says, the logical clarification of thought, you might as well go back to your stupid game with its cold presses and jam breaks.
0: Those aren't actual things, Professor.
2: And this is the essence of the question posed by the great Popper. What are things? Do they exist outside the mind? What kinds of things are there? And Where can I get some?
0: Uh, isn't it Schopenhauer, Professor?
2: Isn't what Schopenhauer?
0: No, Schopenhauer. And it's Wittgenstein, right?
2: Is it? Is the word independent of the thing? Does the name exist at the level of absolutes? Do you know what your friend Vidi Vidi Steiner Bang Bang would say about that?
0: (laughs) No. What?
2: I have no idea. I've never read any of his work. I just, I couldn't get into it. It just seems like these guys are talking about nothing, you know?
0: Actually, philosophy really helps me with basketball.
2: Then get out of this classroom and go play ball. Beat Ohio Wesleyan. Crush Harden simmons
0: Uh,
3: are they big rivals of ours?
2: No, but I flunked out of both places. Here's a discussion of college basketball coming right up. And now he says they wrecked the game when they transitioned out of peach baskets. Colin McEnroe. Yeah,
4: I liked it better when Dr. Nesmith first called me in to show me. I thought the peach mm-hmm. baskets were nice. Now they got all these uh, space-age materials. Don't care for it very much. This is, in fact, our 2016 NCAA Division One and Three men's basketball championship bracket with some discussion of uh, the women's brackets, but probably not very much because— do you know he was from Canada? Nesmith? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that.
5: Then their next basketball player was Steve Nash. Yeah. It was a long, that's long, long, long drive
4: So um, the v- first voice you hear is one of our two anchors. Uh, that's Bill Curry. Uh, I don't need to tell you who Bill Curry is. Uh, he's playing the part of Bill Curry, but he's a currently a columnist for Salon uh, and many other things besides Julia Pastel making her 18th appearance here on our station in the last 17 days. Uh, she's a founding member of CT Improv. She hosts WNPR's The Radius Project podcast and many other qualifications as well. But then they've been a team since... The first year we did this was, what, five, six years ago, something like that, right? Not, yes. Not, not, not a team.
5: Actually, no. It's a, no, it's highly competitive. This, sort of is a bit, this is a deep rivalry. Yeah, this is not team sport here. We're talking about team sport. You're but confused. There's sort of, sort of a Hepburn yeah. and Tracy thing going on, too. She comes here to, to hurt and embarrass me.
6: Every year I do less work and do better. <laughs>
5: yes. <That's
4: right. laughs> when she
5: beat my bracket by just choosing the schools whose mascots could eat the other mascot – That was a hard year.
4: That was a a very,
5: very hard year. Let me
4: tell you who else you're going to meet as the show goes on. Uh, Later in this segment, you'll hear baby Obama, Brandon Sherrod, senior forward for the Yale Bulldogs. Uh, and hes they're making their first appearance in the NCAA tournaments since 1962. You'll hear all about that when we talk to Brandon. Uh, Mike Pesco will be joining us, as he does every year, uh, although I had to pre-tape that interview earlier today. Uh, and then uh, towards the end of the show, you'll hear Howie Dickman, a coaching legend himself, retiring head coach of the Central Connecticut State University Blue Devils uh, men's basketball team. Uh, and then... Um, uh, making her debut this year will be the president of amherst because and the reason for this is because we like to take a look at division 3 sometimes and amherst has turned into kind of a powerhouse they've got both the men's team and the women's team into the division 3 final four which is happening like wow. way way earlier than uh, than the the division 1s
5: you of the pioneer they are, valley
4: you the kind yeah. of the pioneer valley exactly exactly <laughs> the, the whole so well, but first of all we want to kind of introduce you to this idea we're talking about brackets and bracketology i'm assuming you basically know what that is every year College basketball teams have these big playoffs. People fill out their brackets. They have office pools. They have loads of laughs and fun, and then they lose their money. So uh, we're going to help you do that more artfully. And so what happens is, you know, Bill comes at this with some overarching theories about basketball and with some attempt to uh, master the details. And Julia just makes up some cockamamie process. Uh, And uh, so... Uh, let, maybe what we could do is just take a case in point. You know, we mm-hmm. could just take a mm-hmm. take a um like let's take a first round matchup like the number one seed Kansas versus Austin P, which I think is how you st- say the name. Great. So, well, first of all, maybe Bill would just say what his conventional ba- basketball wisdom about my
5: was. conventional basketball wisdom. And we'll be talking about Kansas again because uh, they we, UConn may be facing them after the assuming they can get past Austin P. Yeah. Uh, then you'd be facing Kansas and Kansas is one of the teams I was able to catch a little glance at this year and uh and they are pretty fresh they're the, they're the number 1 overall seed in this tournament mm. and they have uh, it's the kind of team that Yukon has trouble handling which is all these nba looking bodies uh, under the glasses a guy named Perry Ellis or Ellis Perry it's a team with everybody has could reverse their first and last names uh he's about 68 and he's a monster and my guess is that the Austin P uh, team will come to, take the floor Take one sidelong glance at Kansas and concede.
4: All right. Mm. So, uh, what can you tell us about uh, Kansas versus Austin P?
6: Okay. Well, every year, I just want to say I have a really well thought out uh, strategy here. Past ones have included Br-
5: brilliant, actually, anagramming
6: <laughs> names, mascot you know, uh, Darwinian fitness, et cetera. Uh, last year I did mottos, state mottos. But this year we just went all out for weird facts. So I just want to come out of the gate and say this is going to make no sense whatsoever and I'd like to thank the team of interns who got really into helping me out with this.
4: Actually, I worked more on it than the interns did. Oh, they got, well, they got tired after a I'd while. I'd like
6: to thank my team of <laughs> Collins I, hours. I, I
4: have been your intern <laughs> for this show.
6: So, um... Okay, our first fun fact about Kansas is, and I've selected only one fact per school, this is very cutthroat, is they signal the end of classes by blowing a loud whistle, and that loud whistle... steam whistle. Yes, steam and whistle. the name of that whistle is Big Tudor. Which right. I think yeah. is the funniest thing ever. Right, that's a pretty strong fun fact.
4: And, and the rule, by the way, is at Kansas that if you're in class and the steam whistle goes off, the big tutor goes off. You can just leave. Either the professor can be in the middle mm-hmm. of his or her sentence. It doesn't matter. You're allowed to leave. They tried bells. They don't like bells. They like the big steam whistle that the whole campus can hear.
6: Yes. Now, uh, Austin P. This is very sad. The school's <laughs> named for the governor of Tennessee who passed the evolution education law that led to the Scopes trial. So we've uh. got. Terrible (laughs) history.
5: I'm looking to see who you're rooting for here. Um,
6: Well, this is really tough. You know, I think I'm going to have to honestly give it to Big Tudor. I think it's a a more fun fact. And yeah, Austin P., that's just a complex history that we don't want to talk too Uh, much about. Right.
4: So, so maybe they, we are in the same team. Yeah, well, you yeah. do just because you agree about we're, we're one. There are yeah, many, many. This is great. Just because you agree about one of them.
6: We'll see how Big Tudor does yeah. when faced with other amazing facts well, on here.
4: Well, we could. Uh, why don't we just we can play it out here. You know, because this is of, our bracket, it, this is the UConn UConn bracket. This is our uh, bracket. This is, in fact, uh, the next thing in the bracket is Colorado versus UConn. Uh, and uh, so, Bill, uh, you can analyze that one for us.
5: OK, so uh, the. Bookies uh, say that Colorado is favored, and uh, that's uh, not going to out to be true because UConn's going to win that game. And UConn is doing what UConn has done a dozen times in the last twenty years, which is get way better at the end than they seem to be getting as the team went along. And uh, they also they have two things going for them. One, and if you think some of the great NBA championship sh- uh, teams, the thirty three game Lakers, the great Walton Trailblazers, you have a team where everybody is really good at their really personifies their position. You have a great defensive center here, a great swing, and also sort of a a, a point forward in Daniel Hamilton, the center being Amita Brima. Jalen Adams is really coming along. Next year, this team will easily be rated in the top 10 preseason. The, these guys all come back. This is an easy call for a top 10 team going in. The question is how close did they just get in the last week? Mm-hmm. And uh, first, first one's easy, because I'm going to do a little bit of a, a Julia thing here, because I'm going to say versus Colorado, there's also the really good chance that it's Colorado and they'll come stoned. OK, mm-hmm. so they'll all be high. And so we'll,
4: we'll, we'll beat them by over
5: 100. I have but to
6: but, interject here. Uh,
4: they'll be enjoy- also enjoying the oxygen rich environment of where, that's right, wherever yeah. they are <laughs> that's that right. is not It'll Colorado. Be- <laughs> They're not used
6: to having so much <laughs> oxygen to breathe. Yukon actually has more cannabis violations than well, any other school. Colorado
5: wouldn't have any because it's no longer illegal. <laughs> so they would have zero cannabis violations. That doesn't mean they're having zero cannabis right. though, does it? Really, correct. You, when you're you think right. about it. If you flushed a lot of and it down so the toilet and broke the toilet. So, you so what I'm it. saying All right, so what, so you're what, bringing what I'm UConn. saying is that Colorado is uh, goes strong. And then I'm just going to point out this. UConn has the, the difficulty of then facing the big tutor uh, in the second round. Um, absent the uh, Austin Peay Mir- uh, miracle, and and it is. It's the toughest kind of team for UConn to play, but UConn does something. It, the way college basketball has been changing, UConn, really great defensive teams like UConn also do better. They outperform other teams because there's not that kind of discipline in the new star system that's kind of seeped down into college ball. And so I will just say that if, if UConn wins its second-round game, they'll be favored to win the whole tournament. This is the number one seed. This is the best team I saw on television. But I honestly
4: believe there could be an upset. All right. There oh. you go. Any more uh, UConn oh. bootlicking and you could go to work for That's the Hartford. That's done. I'm done. You, you could go to work done. for the Hartford Current Sports page. Oh. Um, so, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. As you look at, yes. Um, yes. You look at Connecticut uh. versus Colorado, Julia, how does it look? Well,
6: um, you know, UConn you and I people can call in with fun facts if they want, but we really struggle with this one. You know, the best fun fact we had was kind of sad and depressing, which was their first mascot, Jonathan the Husky, was hit by a car before he ever got to be a mascot. Wow, that's that
4: terrible. I take no fun, responsibility for that fun fact. <laughs> yeah, I that, it. has <laughs> yeah, got Ross yeah, Levin written yeah, all it. Find over. another
5: word for fun fact next year, yeah, um,
6: So, But you know what's a lot more fun is Colorado.
5: <laughs> Anything. <laughs> 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 Whatever you're about to say next.
6: Uh, Colorado has a diner uh, in that town that is named after a cannibal. And I think that is so hilarious, and yeah. it's a very popular diner. So wow, I'm got to give it to the is cannibal. Like the
4: Donners or something? No, uh-huh. his name was Alfred. Uh, what was his name? I should I, I should be at this place on my in my notes too. Uh, and and so I think it was like one of those things, like up in some. It wasn't Donner, but it was a Alfred kind. Packer. Alfred Packer.
5: Yeah. Who would go to a diner named after cannibal when you when you think about it? You know? Yeah. I mean, that would be a counterintuitive choice. That's huh? what
6: makes it a fun fact, and that's yeah. what's going to keep us aligned, uh, nice. Bill. Because I got Colorado going going forward. They've
4: got they do stand up comedy there where they get up and say, "So you don't like your mother in law? Just eat the noodles." Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Boom! Some cannibal humor. Wow. They actually. You're
5: taking Colorado over UConn.
6: Well, I have to say I watched .8 seconds of basketball this year so far, <laughs> and I think you know which point eight it I, was.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. What, what, What? What? do you live in Colorado Springs? What is the deal? That's not whether you watch basketball or not. All
4: right, while they argue this out, we're going to uh, throw to some tape here. This is a conversation I had yesterday because he's very busy getting <laughs> educated and getting ready for the uh, March Madness playoffs with Baby Obama, as we call him. And is, increasingly it's becoming a popular uh, name for him. That would be Brandon Sherrod of Yale. The last time we talked to Brandon Sherrod, things were a little bit different. For one thing, Yale had not won the Ivy League title and thus qualified for March Madness. Also, he had not set uh, an NCAA record for most consecutive uh, field goals in basketball games. So things are a little bit different. He was on our show about President Obama and basketball and the audacity of hoop, and he did reveal that he himself has some political ambitions. But I think we have to focus on basketball today. You guys
0: are about to play Baylor. Now, where, Brandon, will this game be played? We'll be playing in Providence, Rhode Island on Thursday afternoon at 2.45 p.m. at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. So it should be a lot of fun.
4: Yeah, that's actually sort of in terms of travel. That's a good thing for you guys. To get, don't get all tired out with travel. So um, they're a five. You're a 12 seed. Do you, Have you guys scouted Baylor now? Do you know much about them?
0: Yeah, so today in practice we did a little bit of scout for their defense. They play a 1-1-3 zone which is pretty weird they really spread guys out and it's tough to kind of penetrate that defense um, so we got to look at a few clips in the middle of practice and uh, we got to work on um, just trying to score against their defense earlier on so it was nice to kind of get that in tomorrow we should have a, a little bit more in-depth scouting report uh, talking about their personnel and um, who's going to be doing the majority of the scoring and who we need to stop and, and how we can be successful so the coaching staff is working around the clock to watch film and um, digest as much as they can so that we can have the best game plan to win
4: yeah so they're big they're probably a little bit bigger than you you play big for your size uh, right. they've got a, a rebounder named Rico Gathers I feel like whenever your name is a complete sentence um, <laughs> and it kind of describes what as a rebounder you try to do that's an advantage on the other hand he's announced that he wants to play in the NFL uh, so he might be thinking more about football than basketball that may, may give you some kind of an advantage <laughs> So we should quickly talk about the record because you hadn't said it the last time we talked to you. Um, so this was 30 consecutive field goals over how many different games?
0: I believe it was over a course of five games.
4: Yeah, Obviously, one of the things you have to do there is take um, high-percentage shots. Right. Uh, is there any other secret to being the person who – I mean, this is going to be a long time probably before somebody breaks this record, 30 field goals without a miss.
0: Yeah, sure. I, I hope it, I, it can stand for a little while. Um, it's really nice to be a part of history and – um, it 's really, really special again, yeah high percentage shots the The shots that I took and made are the ones i 'm supposed to make. Um, there are a couple tough ones. I can think of a few off the top of my head. And... Um, again, all credit goes to my teammates for putting me in the best position to score They know where I like to get the ball and I was able to be aggressive and um, I was successful So uh, again, it's really nice to get it over with It was a little bit stressful leading up into the the week before the game And you want to try to, you know, make your first couple of shots only need to to break the record So you want to make sure those were easy ones, but they happen to come in the flow of the offense, which was nice So yeah, I'm really really fortunate to have the record um, But again, I feel even better to, to be winning and being successful with my teammates and being a part of March Madness, so all credit goes to them.
4: So we're talking to Brandon Sherrod, 538, one of the many sports geek sites, gives you a 39% chance of winning your first-round matchup, which is actually pretty good for a 12-seed. I mean, that's close to 40, and 40 is close to 50, so it's basically a (laughs) 50-50 toss-up. One fun fact that I can give you about Baylor that maybe you can use against them somehow, they're the Bears, and they actually have a Class C zoo on the campus that just has two Bears in it. Um, they have like they have a zoo just so that they can have bears, no way, yeah, so maybe you can just taunt them about that or
0: something. yeah i 'll have to bring that up on the free throw line,
4: yeah, absolutely, yeah, I think they get really rattled when you actually mention the bears, the bears. There are, they have the names of judges for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, uh, look look into this, do a little scouting. Hey, I have to bring up on one serious note. I'm sure it's your least favorite thing to talk about, but obviously the team's been through some tough times this year with the departure of the captain, Jack Montague, and a kind of controversy on campus. Um, how much does that enter into all of your thinking? Are you guys able to shut it out, or, or is it a motivator, or what do you do with all that?
0: I think uh, we've just been really focused on on winning basketball games and Um, You know, you go back to after the Cornell game and um, not having Jack for that period of time. Um, Obviously, that is tough, but uh, we've been really, really focused and coaches really taken to heart the fact that we have to win basketball games. And and that's what we're doing here. And, uh, you know, as long as we're we're staying locked in and and not getting caught up in outside noise, I think we're going to be fine. Um, so that's been something that we've worked on um, throughout the duration, of, uh, the latter half of the Ivy League season, um, and now also going into this uh, this week, we're just focused on playing basketball and trying to be as successful as we can.
4: Well, Brandon Sherrod, I'm certainly leaving work at about 2.40 on Thursday. I've been waiting just for this since I was eight years old, which is how old I was in
0: 1962.
4: So um, so go get them. Go get those Bears, all right?
0: Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Really right. appreciate it.
4: Thanks for joining us. Right. And let's go out with the, just uh, Brandon singing a little bit with the Whiffen Booths.
5: My heart.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> joining us is Mike Pesca. He's the host of the Slate podcast, The Gist with Mike Pesca. And hang up and listen, uh, where in fact uh, there's a great episode up already talking about all this stuff that we're talking about today. Welcome back to the uh, Bill Curry and Julia Pistel uh, NCAA Bracketology show. It's, uh, you're you're an, an indispensable part of it, obviously. Thank you.
1: Yes, I'm the uh, third unmentioned Beatle. Yeah, yes. yeah, you're actually you're sort of the George Martin.
4: All right, so one of the things that I've kind of gotten intrigued by today is um, a, a peculiar decision. I think we should sort of rant and rave a little bit about the selection process here uh, mm. and, and the selection show, obviously, was, which was way too long. But the one that gets me is, and maybe you can help me understand this, the way that I understand this, the selection committee is allowed to look at a team whose record is maybe less than exemplary or, or less than what it could be and kind of upgrade the team a little bit if there's some reason why, some unfair reason, some act of God reason why they didn't do as well. And that this year they did this for Syracuse because— right. act of God. <laughs> <laughs> because Mr. Beheim, ba- their coach, had been suspended for breaking NCAA rules.
1: Yes. Well, as Jim Beheim says, the committee that selects the teams and the committee that hands out the suspensions are totally different committees— I guess the equivalent here is if there is a player who's hurt and the team was bad during the hurt players part of the season and then the player got back and he's been a lot better you should take that into account also if a team seemed good and then a player got hurt you'll often see a team seated lower based on their expectation that the team won't be as good Mm -hmm. so they looked at a number of Syracuse losses and how bad Syracuse was during Jim Boeheim's suspension and said well we're going to give him that win against St. John's Jim Beheim would have called two different players in that game against one of the worst teams in college basketball. And, uh, yeah, if, if they got that win, it wouldn't even be, be a debate. Furthermore, they gave Syracuse a 10 seed as opposed to an 11 seed. And if you're an 11 seed, or at least some of the 11 seeds, though not all, which is weird, have to play a play-in game, which the NCAA has some uh, jargon for that where they try to tell us it's not a play-in game. So Syracuse was put ahead of teams like Wichita State, which was ranked Pretty much for the entire year, Vanderbilt, which you know started the season as top ten and was supposed to be a very good team, and then had rough patch, but it's still a really good team. Michigan, which probably is a better team than Syracuse, so Syracuse got a better seed in men, not just the number, but in actually they're in the tournament proper. They don't have to go to Dayton to play a playing game. Based on the fact that uh, if Jim Boeheim hadn't cheated a little, they'd have won some games. Seems seems logical to me.
4: So I'm very angry this year because Monmouth uh, did not make the draw, not because. I I really had much of an understanding of who Monmouth was or anything like that, although I gather they're a really good team and and probably should have gotten in the draw. uh, But because of their bench, have you been following the story
1: of the Monmouth bench crew? Oh, sure. They're fantastic. And they peaked as a story because their bench was exciting. And then to add to the fact that they would put on these skits and they would they're just experts at pantomime. And by the way, the guys on the Monmouth bench, I mean, these are players on the lower rungs of Division one. So, of course, they're going to have a lot of time to put into their antics. Right. (laughs) They're not, you know, trying to work out for the pros, but they beat Georgetown. They beat UCLA. They're beating these very good teams. But out. When the season's over, Georgetown and UCLA actually turned out not to have been very good teams. So what were considered pretty good wins wound up being mediocre wins. And, you know, really, the committee just wanted to put in Tulsa for some reason in Syracuse. So Monmouth never really had a chance. Monmouth, team like Monmouth, team like St. Bonaventure, the absolute epitome of the teams that the tournament should be putting in, uh, that the tournament selection committee should be putting in, Syracuse, the couldn't be more of an epitome of a team that the tournament selection committee should not be putting in. And, of course, they're the tournament selection committee because they do the totally wrong thing. They reward the powerful teams from the powerful conferences who don't do much, and they don't even see the error of their ways. They don't even see... They say, oh, look at all these good teams that Syracuse beat or the fact that, you know, Syracuse losses weren't to bad teams. That's because they don't play bad teams because they're in a great conference. All you're doing is finding 10 different ways to say some teams are in powerful conferences and have all the advantages and some teams are in lesser conferences and have all the disadvantages. And they find five different ways to say that and they count all five of them against the teams in the lesser conferences.
4: Give us something for the person filling out his or her bracket today. Give them just one play that they can make.
1: I would, in this year, there were, every time a team went to number one, they got knocked off, and everyone talks about parity, and it is true. There are no great teams. There maybe even are just some good teams. And yet, when it comes to the tournament, we still talk about, ah, this this is the region from hell, and oh, my God, how loaded it is. I would not look at number one seeds at all. I deeply discount them. I think Michigan State as a number two seed should be one of the favorites. And I really think Kentucky as a four seed has all the – remember, Kentucky won as an eight seed. So as a four seed, I think they have uh, the strength to go very far. And the third thing I would do, if you want to be super tricky – I don't know. Some people's brackets, you have to know if Wichita State is going to beat Vanderbilt or not, but I think the winner of that game could beat Arizona. I think Wichita State could win a couple games in this tournament because they usually do.
4: Uh, I'll give you one back just so you can use it because I I want to do fair trade here. So California, which the rest of the time we call it Berkeley. I don't know why it's always called California in the draw. But UC Berkeley, look at them because of two things. First of all, I think they're the only team in the draw with an element named after them. There is an element called Berkeley. -um, uh, And the fruit cocktail was invented on the campus of and by a professor, a a food sciences professor at Berkeley. So and uh, Mike Pesca, you know, one of the things I admire about you in a very Ben Carson way is the fruit cocktail of your life, so uh, these hands, Colin, these hands—they <laughs> yeah, have too much lotion on them. That's why you can't make the touchscreen work. <laughs> All right, Mike Pesca from the Just with Mike Pesca, and hang up and listen. Thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Welcome back to our uh, Bill Curry and Julia Pastel NCAA special. And this this draw has been kind of doomed from the beginning. There was a uh, <clears throat> two hour CBS special that went on for what seemed to be like five hours uh, to introduce to all the selections and all the brackets. In the middle of it, the actual brackets were leaked out on Twitter by somebody who had them. <clears throat> which seemed to wreck everything. And yes, Charles Barkley couldn't make the touchscreens work because there was too much lotion on his hands. He was trying to do all this kind of John King stuff on the screen, but his, his hands were over-lotioned. Uh, so there have been problems already. I wish that uh, could be banned, yeah.
5: just entirely the politics, lotion? sport. No, the whole touch the screen. Touch and, screen? Oh. Yeah. Mm. yeah, get rid of it. It's too I, distracting. I don't
4: mind the touch screen, but I think people should be tested for lotion. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, we've got uh, some other guests coming up here, Howie Dickerman and uh, then Carolyn Biddy Martin, the president of Amherst College. But first, let's go back to our end here in the studio so Julia just give us you know you've you've been using these kind of idiosyncratic facts about Mm -hmm. the about these schools to uh, predict the course uh, of March Madness tell us kind of how you things see things shaping up who are you bringing all the way to the big dance
6: well you know there are some you know strong facts in here Buffalo could you know they could be in for a big upset because they were the first city to have street lamps and that's pretty awesome Um, So, you know, however, they're not going to make it too far. I think the cannibals of Colorado are going to go really, really far. Um, Some other kind of interesting ones, um, also making it into the final four for me, uh, Green Bay. Green Bay, this is a great fact that you found for me, Colin. I love this. It's the toilet paper capital of the world because the first, think about this, splinter-free toilet paper was produced here.
5: Actually, I think they, they make that now? Yeah. That's right, yeah.
4: <laughs> wow. Uh, the you, yeah. I, you can buy that in stores? I think one of the interns gets credit, <laughs> credit for that one. But, uh. oh.
6: Well, I mean, thank God. Can you guys imagine oh. if that had not been invented? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, Green Bay, you're going really far. Although there's some other great stuff um, in that Holy Cross had the first baseball team to serve beer in their stadium. And what is sports without beer? Right? So that was a tough one for me. Um, other cool things in here um, are, let's see, let's see. Well,
4: we, okay. we, we should talk about uh, South Dakota State. Tommy you know? Heinsohn oh, sure. suggested okay. that beer at Holy Cross. Oh, yes, Thank
6: South you. Dakota State, yes, very important. Um, a disturbing Wikipedia article that I can only hope is not completely real.
4: And we really do encourage people to read the entire article. We will not yes. be able to summarize it adequately here. It
6: is. Uh, South Dakota State University has a tradition called Hobo Day, which... The history and practice, which continues to this day, is the most offensive <laughs> set of things ever.
4: They have a parade on Hobo as, Day with a bum mobile.
6: Uh, yep.
5: As, as
4: political correctness continues to
5: fight its way to to the Dakotas, right. but yes. still years away. Go it ahead. Was, it was. Ahead. It
6: was begun because the previous tradition was that women wore their nightgowns outside, which was too offensive. So they replaced that with hobos and Indians dressing up like that, and it shockingly is still a thing. Although the, it has a theme every year, and you can kind of feel the students trying to make it better, like in 2015, the theme was "Always an Adventure."
4: Aw. I like the one that wow. was uh, was uh, yeah. was this one that was like 007. Hobos never die, or something yep, like that. So, that's right. so they have themes and stuff like that. So yes. So just to come back to an earlier theme, uh, one of the things we learned about Colorado is they they have a snack bar named after an actual cannibal, Alfred Packer. Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, who have you got going farther in that? This it's called the South bracket. Uh, are, yeah. are The hobos uh, or the cannibals coming going further on your. Uh, you
6: know, I mean, obviously cannibals up against any human opponent would win. Uh, so yeah. unfortunately, the hobos go down. They get eaten. Colorado, and I think that makes complete logical sense. Don't roll your eyes at me.
4: All right, no, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm
5: so, not. So very quickly before we go <laughs> to build, tell us your final we, four. We,
4: tell us, tell us who you really sort of think comes out on top of all this. Sure,
6: sure. Um, obviously, we've got our cannibals. We've got our Green Bay toilet paper. Um, we have Seat in the Hall, and I don't want to, you know, um, discount this as like a fun fact because it's really very awesome. Has the first openly gay player ever in March Madness. In yeah. March Madness, okay. which is. Way overdue, so okay, good so for them. Okay, so that's a big deal. Yeah. Yep, and um, I also have. I'm sure. What bracket are they? Where are they? They're in the Midwest.
5: So we're, we're so we're rooting for them. Yeah.
6: Oh, we're yeah. rooting for them. That's so cool. Yeah,
5: first um, time ever for Seton Hall, frankly on my own, but.
6: Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, let's hope they, they cheated win. like
5: crazy <laughs> in the Big East, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, let and bygones finally, be bygones. in
6: the Eastern Division, and I think they might take it all the way. Um, I really like Xavier because their assistant coach is Bill Murray's son, and he used to go to the games, but he doesn't anymore because. He thinks that he jinxes them, which right. means that Bill Murray is the only person who doesn't like Bill Murray, and I think that's important for us to consider here. Right.
4: He yeah, does. He yeah. has been known to show P- up at the pull games. Pull yourself his, together, he, would you? He, he's got this baseball <laughs> hat with a big, big X on it that he wears. He looks yeah. very goofy in it. Yeah. All right. So uh, so there you go, a, a comedian endorsing a team uh, coached by a comedian's son. Um, mm-hmm. And so let's go over to uh, Bill Curry. And by the way, uh, Jonathan McNichol is pointing out that uh, if you don't have splinter-free toilet paper, then lotion becomes more important. That's true. So it kind of ties two themes together. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bill Curry, uh, give us your overarching theory of this year's
5: draw. Okay. Well, what I'm going to do is the smart thing, which is simply repeat verbatim, syllable by syllable, everything Mike Peska just said. Right. Mm. Because he's right. And uh, he's really right about the front runners and not going with that. And I should also ease up – I just did a column in Salon today about politics – in which I said that we should end all these predictive polls and they should just take a week off because the future is just chock full of stuff that hasn't happened yet, and who knows. Mm-hmm. And now I go to this one-in-a-trillion NCAA bracket and contradict myself. And this year it's two; it's one-in-two trillion because these guys are all so evenly matched right across the board. I just looked up before coming over here. Five Last year the top five teams had 17 uh, uh, defeats among them. This year the top five have 29 defeats. Wow. And uh, you know, sixty-seven, whatever, whatever the percentage increases in that. This is a this is a field that's been just in flux throughout. I always like Michigan State because they play their hearts out in these things, and and so I also agreed. Looking at those top few teams, if there was one that was gonna gonna blow through, and I really do believe if you look at that South bracket, if uh, if UConn pulls if UConn pulls up the 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 upset of the century, I I get it. Number one tournament seed, Kansas. This is a good defensive team. It really has a shot. Uh, it its path after that uh, is uh, is is a doable one. And 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 that's the last the last serious thing I'll say about this is just that you've seen this thing where the college looks more like the NBA, and it's more like the NBA because people feel like they're rooting for jerseys. And you see it when when Boston College becomes part of the ACC or Maryland leaves the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference of the South. And, and and goes and enjoys the Big Ten. They're all doing it for big football contracts. The rivalries go uh, uh, as that happens. Uh, the fan base sort of changes. You have celebrity coaches and celebrity players. Nobody does the old Dean Smith four corners anymore, the disciplined plays, in part because it's a little discredited, but also because there aren't any teams disciplined enough to pull, to pull off really great offenses like You just like did that. like eight grumpy so old basketball a, I know, I know. I'm in like done. one <laughs> sentence. I'm, I'm almost done. So what does that mean? And these it kids means, with their phones, they're on the bench, point. they're looking at their phones. I got a point. I got a point. I got a point. It means what I said before, and that is that you take a team that's superbly coached like Michigan or you take a team that's superbly coached like Connecticut and where the, the defense especially is really, really strong, those are the teams that actually – can pop through here. So I'm not just another UConn Lickspittle, although I am a proud alum. Yeah. I'm just saying here, there's a shot for something really good. Bill and, is
6: pro-defense because I put him right. on the defensive because every single year. That's
5: right. yeah. right. what I'm thinking when I walk in the door now.
4: <laughs> we have to uh, go to a break here, but for a transcription of Bill's uh, Lickspittle UConn remarks, yeah. I just read the, yeah. the UConn uh, oh. coverage. In the it's a good thing I have no feelings,
5: <laughs> you know, because otherwise this would really hurt. This would really hurt. <laughs>
2: It is the decision of WNPR management that this show will not be making any jokes about Oregon State coach Wayne Tinkle or his son, injured starting forward Trey Tinkle. I think we're better than that, and we want to respect the seriousness of the public radio audience. (laughs) Wayne Tinkle. Today's show was produced by Jonathan McPants and me, Kyone Wolf. Greg Hill appeared in the intro and tweets for us at WNPR Collin. Special thanks to interns Ross Levin and Stephanie Reef. The part of Bill Curry was played by any member of the Tinkle family. For show pages articles and videos of the here and now staff filling out their brackets go to our website wnpr.org slash Colin on tomorrow's show leadership and now Back to Colin.
4: Yes, so welcome back to our bracketology show. Um, We've had a chance uh, to talk to Brandon Sherrod, uh, one of the exciting players for Yale University making its first appearance in the tournament. Mike Pesca, who has been a sports reporter, but now, of course, hosts uh, two different slate podcasts, including the sports podcast Hang Up and Listen. We've got in the studio with us uh, Bill Curry and Julia Pastel, as we do every year. Uh, And so we've talked to some people who are basketball experts or think they're basketball experts, but we haven't really talked to a real, real basketball expert expert with real credentials, somebody who can really claim to know something about basketball. So uh, now we're going to talk to Howie Dickenman. He's the retiring head coach of Central Connecticut State <laughs> University, uh, and uh, he's been coaching the Blue Devils for the last 20 years. He's looking forward to retirement. He's going to find out for the first time in many decades what it's like not to be horse all the time. Uh, Howie Dickenman, welcome to the show.
7: Hi, Colin. Nice to be on the show. Sounds so like everyone's having a good time.
4: We're trying to have a good time here. So you've done this. You've been uh, through these brackets a, a bunch of times. Uh, as a coach and as an assistant coach before that. Um, Maybe you could just tell us, what's it like to be on a team that's heading into this? Even if you're a 15 seed or a 16 seed, it's got to be just an incredible thrill to have a whole nation kind of watching uh, what's happening to your team.
7: Well, it is a thrill, and uh, we've been, as you said, three times, and a number of times at the University of Connecticut when I worked there for uh, 14 years, but it's about the players. And, you know, you're in the weight room or you're having a tough practice. And I I always tell the players, you know, you're not going to maybe be rewarded today or maybe next month, but you will be rewarded with an NCAA birth. If you keep working this hard or you keep pumping that iron down here. So there are rewards for hard work and good people and people that persevere. So that's what I tell him, and it's worked out, um, like I said, three or four times here, and I'm sure it's worked out at um, Connecticut where I'm sure uh, w- working with Jim Calhoun, he would um, use those same that same type of philosophy, and I know Kevin. Kevin is a guy that I don't know if anybody works harder than him. He's always been an underdog all of his life. Um, he never got the publicity he could have gotten at the University of Connecticut column because there were so many other good players that you know got the spotlight and then he just climbed his way into the NBA undrafted and, and uh, just made I believe it was 13 years in the league.
4: Yeah. So yeah, it's Kevin Alley, of course, the the coach of UConn. So the other thing that you've experienced, obviously, is having a, a team sitting in the least enviable position in the brackets. I mean, uh, a team like Central coming in there usually is. Oh, been fighting and scrapping and clawing its way into the brackets, but then you're you're a 16 seed or you're a 15 seed. These are you know I mean 16 seeds have never won. So what do you say to the team at that point? You know everybody in America is bringing out the other team. Their their number one seeded opponent is being brought out onto the next line. What do you say to your players to 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 make it seem possible for them? Well,
7: you know we played Pittsburgh uh, one year and it um, we played in Pittsburgh against the University of Pittsburgh. And, and what I was thinking about was just, hey, we're taking on the whole city. Uh, hmm. We're not going to have many fans there compared to what Pittsburgh's going to have. So it's us against them. I, I gave that kind of a theory. And uh, you know, and I do tell them and explain to them because we've been a 14, a 15, and a 16. And I, when we were 14 or 15, I said, chances are rarely has this happened. And I always had the percentage of times of 15 would be the two Uh, Like Richmond did one year against Syracuse, or 14. uh, Your percentage of uh, winning is this amount, and so what? We're going to break into that, and we're going to raise this percentage. So always trying to motivate, always trying to give them the positive. But you know, from the time your name or your team is drawn, there's such an anxiety on that selection Sunday. You sit and you wait and you wait and you wait until um, you know where you're going and who you're playing. And I watching the uh, show this year i thought the teams that uh, weren't selected in the uh, first part of the show the anxiety the build up now i'm a i'm a stony brook fan i went down saturday to see them uh uh, uh make the tournament and they were in the last group of uh, of uh mentioned and i'm just thinking like wow you're waiting you're waiting you're waiting and uh how tough it is but that's you know the way it is sometimes but you're there And you have pizza and you have wings and you have media there. And, you know, and I tell the guys, hey, you earned it. Nobody gives you anything in life. Nobody gives you anything. Um... And so you've earned it, you've earned the opportunity, and let's take full advantage of it. So
4: uh, th- th- let's talk about that uh, Stony Brook team. A lot of people th- feel, if anything, they're under-seeded. Uh, they-, they really could be seated even higher than they are. And they do have maybe my favorite player, just in terms of a story and who he is, uh, this guy, Jameel Warney, who grew up as kind of the quintessential overweight kid, taunted about his weight, and then has just turned into this superb athlete. A lot of people feel as though he might be one of the you know five or ten best players in the country. So, uh, Howie, how good is Stony Brook?
7: Uh, Stony Brook is, you know, Steve Peichel was recruited yeah. here University of Connecticut. One tough guy as far as um, desire, okay, dedication. And then he was at Yale a little bit and then Wesley a little bit. And he was the first assistant here for five years. And we went to the NCAA tournament a couple of times when he was here. And I give him the credit for us getting there because of the players he recruited and the teaching that he did. But I'm a Steve Peichel fan um i was they've had some tough luck in uh championship games in the, and last year they lose on a prayer at albany by an albany player who throws up a desperation shot from three and he wins the game at the buzzer so he's had a couple of other tough um defeats but he had this game i went down to and getting back to uh jamal uh jamal is um leader he's got great poise. He is a very good player. I know there's been about 19 NBA teams and scouts that have been there too, during practice or to games. And he had, the team scored 80 the other day, Colin. He had 43. He <laughs> took 22 shots. He made 18. And he had double-figure rebounds. And I, I was just so happy for him because he could have gone to a bigger school, but he hung in there with uh, Coach Peichel. And again, talk about rewards and satisfaction. He was happy as anyone, but I was just proud of Steve. And they play Kentucky, and uh, I, it was a few years ago—not many, maybe a couple, just a couple of years ago—they played at Kentucky. And I, I may be wrong with this, but they may—it might have been a, a single-digit loss. So don't underestimate Stony Brook. Um, they're extremely well coached, like many many teams are here, but they're fundamentally sound. And Steve Peichel is what I call one of the up-and-coming and, and a rising coach in the last eight years five of those years, they've had 22 or more victories. Mm.
4: So, Howie Dickenman, uh, we're running out of time here, but do uh, you have one last uh, tournament inside? People are filling out their brackets, and so to be able to get uh, the inside of a coach like you, I know most you don't have a lot of time to watch games that you're not preparing for that team, but anybody in this draw that you really like is kind of a Cinderella favorite?
7: Yes, you know, and people who pick Kansas, they'll pick Michigan State, they'll pick you North know, Carolina, Kentucky. I'm going to pick Oregon uh, because mm-hmm. the way they finished and um, the, they have, you no, know, they won the Pac-10. They had they lost two games in a row, and that's because one of their star players didn't play, and the other game was when uh, a player just got off an injury. So I'm picking Oregon the way they uh, beat Arizona at the end, and, and they'll be in they'll be in the finals, and they'll play the University of Connecticut, and uh, I should probably say I'm going to give you the final two. It'll mm-hmm. be Connecticut, and it will be. Um, uh, Oregon. All right. And then, you know, even wow. I'm picking Oregon, I'm going to be cheering for Connecticut.
4: Y- you and Bill Curry. All right. Thanks, Howie Dickenman, uh, retiring coach of the Central Connecticut State University Blue Devils men's basketball team. He'll be actually getting his voice back uh, in the next year or two. Uh, he's been uh, yelling on the basketball court for as long as. And done a I've great job. And done a terrific job. You done a great, great job. Yeah. All right, so we've got a little bit of time before we go to uh, our final feature here, which is Amherst. So I'm going to ask you guys for a few of your just very final insights. Bill Curry, I don't think you've really told us exactly what your final four is. Have you told us that yet?
5: I don't have a final four. I can't, I can't say it's impossible to predict and then pretend that I've got one. I like Oregon. I, li- I, I am also in the Oregon-Michigan state. Uh, they're going to do really well. I really do believe that Connecticut could have a sort of another dream season, so I'm not betting against them. Uh, my 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 real dream. I think I think that Yale could meet Connecticut in the national semifinal game, and that would be certainly uh, something we'd uh, we'd remember forever. It's not a prediction. I'm just saying that when you would you peruse but the it's bracket, it's mathematically possible. I'm saying yes. Yeah. I'm saying that it's possible. given the laws of yeah. physics that could happen. Yeah, and I'm saying that if you would just start looking on the bright side of life a little more you'd see possibilities like this more often yourself, and then things would really start to pick
4: up. All right. So And so, Julia, among all the uh, complicated and obscure insights that you were able to come up with— uh, about teams. Is there one or two last ones you want to share with us before we uh, visit with the president of Amherst?
6: Yes. I mean, I'm so sorry. Some of these guys are clearly not going to make it. Like UNC Wilmington, that's where Dawson's Creek was filmed. And yeah, if was, you're my age, that's a humongous deal. Well, the scale. high school.
4: I think the high school. Cape Side High okay. School. Uh, that's where I was looking. Yes.
6: Yeah, and yeah. similarly, there was a Hootie and the Blowfish song shot somewhere. Oh, in Maryland. Yeah,
4: University of Maryland. is yeah. their, their armory Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only want to be with you. Yeah. Oh, and
6: we've been talking about baby... I think you should be (laughs)
4: disqualified for having anything to do with Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, my God. I think you should not make the the seeds.
6: Um, Okay. (laughs) Well, one more thing. We keep talking about baby Obama, but what about... Barack Obama Hawaii. Senior, the real one, the real person, went to uh, Hawaii. So well He actually degree. so so
4: Barack, yeah, Barack went Senior went to University senior. of Hawaii, where mm-hmm. he graduated in three years, Phi Beta Kappa. Um, Obama's mother was also a student there, and then dropped out because of the pregnancy. Then came back as a student um, a little bit later on, and that's where she met husband number two, the Indonesian surveyor guy. Uh, who was also a student at the U- University of Hawaii. None of this, you will note, ever happened in Kenya. Uh, it all happened in Hawaii. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yes, Barack Obama Which will is be in- a state soon. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <By laughs> I'm going to make one prediction,
5: yeah. and that is that Julia's bracket beats mine. All right, okay, wow. I, uh, okay, yeah, that's here we it. go. This is it. That's it. it. Yeah. All oh, right. Man, that's so, one of the things almost that, like predicting the recent past. Yeah, right. But. Exactly.
4: <laughs> one of the things that I've liked to do in recent years is look at Division Three because, first of all, there's a lot of teams right around here that are Division Three teams. Trinity, for example, was in the draw this year. Uh, but one team has emerged as a superpower, as as Bill Curry said, kind of the Yukon of the Pioneer Valley uh, because, in fact, both their men's and women's basketball teams, because the, the agrarian calendar of Division Three moves a little faster and starts a little sooner than the Division I one does, uh, the, the Final Four is almost upon us. We already know who's in the Final Four. Both the men's and women's basketball teams uh, have made this year's Division Three Final Four. Joining us is Carolyn Biddy-Martin, president of Amherst College talk about how this esteemed, academically uh, prized small college has turned itself into a ruthless basketball factory. So, uh, President Martin, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So, so what's happening up there? How did how did first of all the one of the big changes you made was getting rid of your sort of mascot name. You were the Lord Jeffs for a while for a lot of fairly good reasons. Uh, you guys decided to stop being the Lord Jeffs. Did this bring you some incredible wave of good fortune?
3: <laughs> well, to quote uh, one of you from an earlier moment, I think he was talking about Austin P. It's a complex history we don't want to talk about that much. <laughs>
4: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But but then it's good to talk uh, about history, right? It's good to talk about it's, history it's, because that's yeah. so how you learn. They do well in basketball. I, I they drop think, history.
3: Uh, I, I think actually that that what accounts for the success is uh, is the great coaching and the <laughs> extraordinary student athletes that uh, we end up bringing to Amherst.
4: So um obviously this is uh, the kind of thing that maybe doesn't get the sort of television attention the national news media attention that the division 1 does but what does it do for your campus i mean you really do have heading into the final four you've got these two teams uh, that are both competitive i mean what kind of energy does that put on the amherst campus
3: well i think everybody's excited it's it's our campus where as you said a few minutes ago Uh, academics is really the coin of the realm and yet, uh, excellence in athletics has long been a signature of Amherst. So there's a lot of excitement and, uh, you know, the women's team gets to go to Indianapolis where they're celebrating women's basketball. So D1, D2, and D3 Final Fours are all happening in Indianapolis on the same weekend. So that's, that's an exciting, um, very exciting experience for the, for the women's Mm -hmm. team.
4: Doesn't Amherst and, claim to have invented physical fitness or something that you had, like, the first? Yes, yeah.
3: yes we claim it, and I think it's true. Yeah? Yes, yes. Uh, it had the first physical education program back in 1860. In the, uh, yeah.
4: 1860. We've studied your history yeah. carefully.
3: I well, was going to say, but what's the fun fact you came up with?
4: Well, yeah, you know, with this, I, I, we we didn't come up with a specific that was it, one. Much, yet. That, yeah, no. For, for well, one thing that we, we should mention that is Amherst is sometimes referred to as part of the Little Three, along with Williams yeah. and then our local team Wesleyan. And some people, because this rivalry is over 100 years old, say that this is the oldest "quote unquote" athletic conference in the nation. The Little Three. Yeah,
3: I think it might. I, I, it, at at the very least, I know the football rivalry between Williams and Amherst is either the oldest uh, in the country or one of the two oldest uh, in the country. So physical education, as you say, and, and athletics has been a big part of Amherst since its, since it's beginnings, really.
4: So Not look at the uh President Martin, let's look at these two uh, Final Four brackets. Some of these Division three yeah. teams, it's hard to know exactly what they are. So Amherst, uh, the men are going to play Benedictine, which I think is yeah. an order of monks as opposed to a college, but that's fine. Uh, and then, <laughs> then they have to play, if they get past that, they play the winner of St. Thomas, Minnesota, versus Christopher Newport. I, is right. that, like, some guy or something? Or, I mean...
3: Well, well, here's the thing. Because I'm from what was in rural Virginia, um, I know what Christopher Newport is, and, and hmm. one of my cousins actually went there.
4: All right, so... so... Uh,
3: but we will beat Christopher Newport in
4: yeah. the finals. I, I expect you to crush them, and then on the women's side, you got to get past Thomas Moore, who's had a lot yeah. of bad, bad publicity with Wolf Hall. You know, very unflattering uh, picture <laughs> of Thomas Moore. Uh, and so you beat uh, you beat him, and then uh, it's Tufts versus Wartburg. Wartburg. So, and I assume you see another yeah. championship headed your way. Oh, I certainly
3: hope so. Um, you know, the Tufts we split with Tufts. This season, tough beat the women's team. The one loss we had, and then we turned around and beat them. So um, that'll be a great championship game, uh, which I'm sure we will we will prevail in.
4: All right. So, President Martin, we have to go. Uh, the way things are shaping up, you're going to be using championship trophies to prop open doors and stuff like that. You'll just have so many of them. But <laughs> thanks for being with us today. Thanks yeah, to Bill Curry, Julia you. Pistel, uh, everybody else who helped out. Howie Dickenman, Mike Pesca, and baby Obama himself, Brandon Sherrod. Did I skip anybody? I think I got everybody. All right. well, and Thanks to Jonathan McPants. He's the guy who had to pull this whole thing together.
2: my March Madness prediction, everybody's going to go out there and give it everything they've got. They're going to push hard. They're going to power through that defense and dominate the court. And then pretty much almost all of them are going to lose. So...